Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. Okay, is there any more iconic kill-all-humans kind of robot than the classic sci-fi 2001's HAL 9000. No, Tim, there isn't. He's my favorite. He's the all-time winner in my book for the killer psycho robot. But but the question is, like, was he really a psycho? Can you apply the term psycho or right or wrong to something like HAL 9000? Well, I, I think that we should think about the right and wrong of HAL 9000's behavior from his point of view, because AIs are coming, and unfortunately, killer AIs are coming too. Well, you know what? I think what we should do is let's talk about it. Let's talk about how realistic it is, and let's talk about some of the moral implications around what if an actual HAL 9000 situation came up. So my name is Tim, and I'm a data engineer. And I'm Matthew, and I'm a data scientist, and I just hope all killer AIs that are coming down the pipeline are as charming as HAL 9000. This is Kill All Humans. All right, so I guess it's probably a good time to do a quick recap if you haven't seen 2001. Oh, by the way, spoiler warning. I mean, come on, the movie's been out for a while. So classic sci-fi, Arthur C. Clarke, uh, Stanley Kubrick uh, co-wrote the screenplay. There is a AI computer on a ship who somehow gets conflicting orders, starts making mistakes, and winds up murdering the crew. I mean, I'm not sure if we need to go into more detail than that. If you haven't seen the movie, chances are, why are you listening to this podcast? Yeah, Tim, I I think that we can definitely say it's okay to spoil this one. That was definitely my favorite part of the movie. Everything else was kind of a little weird, but the the HAL 9000 parts were, I thought, very, very interesting. Well, you know, I don't know if this was an intentional tie-in or not. Like, but so you talk about the beginning of the movie, and I kind of like to go back a little bit to the beginning. So you right. have the you have the dawn of man is what that uh, beginning sequence mm-hmm. is called, where you have uh, where you have sort of a ape like creature that's not quite human or on the evolutionary scale to hu- to humanity, winds up uh, meeting the Tycho or the monolith. And then all of a sudden, tool use is discovered. So what I found very interesting, I'm not sure if this was an intentional tie-in, but when this creature became sentient, the first thing it did was an act of survival, and then it committed an act of violence. And they both kind yeah. of have to be the same thing. So, so it makes me wonder then if we're talking about like AI becoming sentient, is this, are they kind of playing into the inevitability where being sentient means you're going to commit acts of survival and acts like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Well, I think that's definitely an open question. One of the themes of the movie definitely gets into the evolution of sentience and the ability to make self-deterministic decisions. And there's clearly a coupling in the movie with violence. Now, I think Hal's story is much more nuanced than that. I I take a a different view. But yeah, there's definitely a theme in the movie that like, sure, we start creating sentient AI robots, they're going to kill people. 
<laughs> it's inevitable. Kill all humans, right? It's the name of the show. That's right. But in this case, I think Hal gets a bum rap. I, I think that that I think we have to look at the context of what happened to really understand that there there was some. I think there's some level of justification here for why Hal slaughtered his own crew. Okay, so let's start there. I mean, that's an excellent place to start. Uh, so let's say what happened. I mean, this is even just the term "what happened" became a mm-hmm. is a, is a topic of debate, right? So, right. from a data scientist perspective, from your perspective, what happened to Hal? So Hal had very specific programming in order to manage the entirety of the mission, and. We have to remember that when we see the earlier scenes on the moon, there's a lot of paranoia at the time, a lot of worry about somebody sabotaging the mission. And I think that he was given programming that said the crew, under certain circumstances, could be considered a threat to the mission, and that there were protocols in place that Hal was to act upon in order to, in order to preserve the mission if this criteria was met. But clearly those protocols wouldn't be kill the crew, then there wouldn't be a a mission if there's no crew. Like, wouldn't that cause a bit of a conflict? I I don't know. I I think that there's a a fundamental difference between classical programming, where something like this would, would definitely cause you to have some big blue screen of death moment where the whole computer would frizz out, and the kind of probabilistic programming, which is a part of data science, where it's like the computer is really just taking a best guess scenario as to the present situation. And while I don't think it's advisable to kill off the crew, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think the programming could allow it. I think it's much easier to kill people through AI programming than people realize. And I think that that's the, the really important take-home message here is that it it's a lot harder not to kill people with an AI than you think it is. And, and, I, and I speak now to the Ubers and the Teslas of the world and the driverless cars that are out there. I mean, hmm? well, it already happened once with Uber. Right. It happened twice with Tesla. So like they, they've both people have died because of driverless cars. And, you know, in one case, it was a bicycle and all these complications. But they're spending a whole lot of time trying to think about crazy philosophical conundra like the trolley problem. And the reality is, I just don't think they understand how easy it is to slip off the rails and for a car just to start driving through things. It doesn't know what a person is. It doesn't care what a person is. I, it doesn't even know that the person exists. It just is following some series of guesses. And so I think that the HAL 9000 scenario is much easier to happen than one might initially anticipate. See, I, I I don't know because it's like if you go down other sci-fi rabbit holes, so take like Arthur C. Clarke or take uh, or take or even just Terminator logic. If you go in like Terminator Salvation, right. which was um, humans must be human life must be preserved at all costs kind of logic. Right, that's the Matrix logic, and that's ultimately some of the logic that gets into iRobot, specifically the movie. And one of the points that we'll come back to is yes, yeah, saving humans from themselves, and that's a really good. Segway. So keep listening to our program because <laughs> we'll get back to that one. So uh, if, if you were making a HAL 9000 today, I mean, wouldn't you put in like, do you think this is a case where the programmers didn't think that HAL would make the decision to kill the crew or thought that uh, it's it's so outlandish We're OK, we'll put something in, but the programming got misinterpreted. I mean, that that seems like a rather large oversight. 
I, I think it's the latter. I think they deliberately put in a scenario where Hal could kill off the entire crew. And I just don't think they ever expected a set of circumstances to come up where Hal would actually act on it. So so we're saying then if we had like a HAL 9000, obviously there, there's a bit of, I mean, we have bits and pieces of HAL 9000 out in culture now. Like uh, we talk about driverless cars, we talk about interactive computing, we talk about bots, we talk about all these things that can read emotion and respond to emotion just like HAL did. Um, so I think we have all the pieces there to build a HAL 9000 today. So, I mean, I think we can call it plausible, maybe not today, but maybe in the next five years, you could build yourself a good old fashioned HAL 9000. You could probably do it today if you had unlimited money and time. I think you could do it today. I think we have military drones that are capable of making these kinds of decisions today. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> I think I think we're much closer. That's 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 kind of why I'm I'm so interested in doing this podcast. Honestly, Tim, is that I think we're much closer to this world of AI, not just killing humans, but doing all sorts of other awful things to us, um, and other changes in like real complex changes to society, but I think we're very close. And I think we're really close to a world that we do not understand. Okay. So, I mean, if we're looking at a plausibility rating for HAL 9000, we'll say, okay, so the technology to create a HAL 9000 is possible. The programming mm-hmm. mistakes, well, I'm not sure if there are mistakes or not. I think that's a point of debate. Right. I think I think it's yeah. more, so when I look at it, obviously you're the data scientist, you know a bit more than I would on it. I think it's more of a case where the, they probably didn't think about the scenario. So probably the decision tree that HAL 9000 was going down led them down the wrong path. And there was nothing, yeah. it, it sort of like goes, you remember Airbud, where it's like, well, it doesn't say anywhere in the rule book that a dog can't play basketball. Well, nowhere <laughs> does it say in the decision tree that I can't kill the crew. <laughs> that's what well, yeah, I think that's exactly it. Where in the decision tree did it said like, wait, wait, no, no, think this over. Really, really think about it before you kill the crew. I want you to have a five minute think. Take a time out. Yeah, and then reevaluate the evidence five minutes later. Not that it would have made a, a, a bit of difference, but no. I, <laughs> yeah, giving Hal 9000 a timeout. Go to your room. Don't go near. So then the question for me then becomes okay, did Hal consciously make this decision? Did he, or is this something that we've programmed to do? Or is this somewhere in between? Like, is sentience a matter of a flipping a switch, or is this somewhere kind of in a fuzzy middle? I, I, I actually think, and I'm going to get to kind of one of my pet theories now, I think sentience is awareness of need. So, for example, hunger is, I think, the, the lowest and earliest form of sentience. You have an understanding that you have a need. I, I don't know whether... Hal is sentient or not. I don't think we have enough information to do that. I know he's intelligent. That much is clear. And I think if you if you go ahead to like the sequels and some of the later conversations in 2010 where Hal is being asked to sacrifice himself, in those movies, you get an indication that he might be sentient. But in 2001, we, we don't know enough to know anything about whether he's sentient or not. And just because how could definitely pass the Turing test doesn't mean, you know, anything more than he could pass the Turing test. (laughs) 
Yeah, so that that's that's interesting you bring in 2010. So uh so I think a lot of our listeners, if you've seen 2001, which I is a classic, 2010 might be a little bit more on the obscure, obscure side of things, but definitely check it out. It's a bit more narrative. It's not a Kubrick film. Um it's uh I don't I don't remember who actually directed it, but it kind of goes into a little bit more. They visited they visit again. It's uh it it, it gets weird. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. But I will talk about the one scene where they're trying to convince Hal. They they had to convince Hal to sacrifice himself, ask him to sacrifice himself. And that seemed very, that seemed very interesting uh, that, yeah. uh, that, that was the strategy, their entire strategy with the situation they're in revolved around getting Hal 9000 convinced to sacrifice himself. So for me, that argues that not only intelligence, but sentience. Um, and I'm not sure I necessarily agree that there's a scale of sentience. I, I think it's, I think it's a bit more like, uh, it, not necessarily a light switch, but I think you either I think you either are aware of self or not that you are something distinct or unique, not beyond base instinct. That that me hunger is a bit more like a base instinct. How, on the other hand, I mean, if we look at the evidence again, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like self preservation, is the lowest form. Even an animal does that. But then we start moving up uh, where the social interactions there. So we see that in 2010. Uh, we see he needs. Um, See, what did it for me is at the very end where he starts talking about him being afraid. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't know if that is merely his programming trying to preserve himself, but that seems right. like a very weird thing for some intern to put in a line of code for if someone's trying to disconnect you, start begging for your life. That that that, that seems like uh, I, 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 be, I don't think, right, I, I don't yeah, think IBM would have done that. <laughs> Well, that, that's that's exactly right, Tim. It doesn't fit with the scenario that are the the theory that I've given you right now. To be afraid of death, to have to be convinced to sacrifice himself. Hal in 2010 is clearly being betrayed as sentient, and then it it says that my theory about kind of bad programming or bad code now doesn't really hold up because now it it gets back to the evolutionary idea in the original movie that Hal is achieving sentience. And in through the sentience, commits an act of violence in order to preserve himself. So does that and mean that Hal is morally culpable for his actions? In the 2010 version, yes. In my version, no. But, you know. <laughs> so at what point – so it's almost like you can watch, like, okay, at what point did that sentience kind of kick in? <laughs> um right. So for me, I think it's at the very end where they're disconnecting him. I think when he realizes that – I don't know if he realizes he made an error in judgment. He says he made an error in judgment. Um, he does say that. Um, but when he starts begging for his life, that to me I think right. is when – then. so then I think we can go to culpability at that point. Yeah, when Dave's turning him off, there's, there's clearly a, a transformation in his character that occurs as he's being turned off. That, that foreshadows what happens in 2010. Now, again, I think on its own, 2001 by itself presents a very different picture of, of AI and intelligence and those kinds of things. But I think both pictures are actually quite instructive in different ways. Right. See, for me, the first one is like, I think about some of the other killing machines in movies today, like the Ed 209 from RoboCop. Now, this is another old one for those who are up on things. But 
Ed 209 lacks for me the class and sophistication of the HAL 9000. HAL 9000, he's cool. Ed 209 is sloppy, greedy, corporate programming to create this really terrible murder machine that lacks all style and sophistication. But I, I think that they both share a kind of quality of basically insufficient vision for the consequences of the program. Now, Terminator falls in the other category, the one you brought up before, where you have the system that evolves, it adapts, and then it starts making choices for humanity. And that's an entirely different pathway of consequences. And I, and I, I, but I think that both are important to, as take-home messages from, you know, these, these media. Well, and I think what makes uh, what makes uh, HAL nine thousand such a fascinating study is that it it's almost becomes a it's almost like a tragedy in a way because you don't see a lot of that in cinema where you see. So we we were talking just uh, again RoboCop, good versus evil, Terminator, good versus evil, machine evil, uh, and then this is more of a of a tragedy, isn't it? Because HAL nine thousand, you're like this poor, you feel bad for HAL. Um, there's no, there's no antagonist in, in, in Hal. It's, uh, he's, he's just trying, I mean, granted, you know, you have good versus bad, but then again, you had Frank Poole, one of the pilots, uh, kind of treating him more like a machine where Dave was treating him more like a member of the crew. So it, when you go back and rewatch it, I, I hope our listeners do, it, it's very subtle, but you kind of see how Frank really, it feels like you can tell he thinks this is just a machine and you kind of see in just ways kind of giving hal orders where dave is actually interacting more on a human hum- more on a human level um right but you know it is interesting uh that how the what makes it so effective even just as a movie is a piece of cinema let alone a piece of ai based cinema is the fact that hal's not good hal's not evil hal is hal and we feel bad for hal being hal <laughs> Yeah, he's a real character. And yet you recognize underlying that he's still a computer. And that's wonderful. I mean, that's great cinema. And I and I agree with you. It's a tragedy. And the problem is that you left wondering whose tragedy is it? And it, and I don't know that you can answer that. Is it is it, you know, because yeah, you should feel bad. This went horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like it, there's so many there's so many aspects to to the film like and, and you know there's essays and there's been books and essays and other media that's talked about the HAL 9000 thing but I think really what a lot of folks sort of get wrong about it is is like oh killer AI killer AI killer AI this is this is not a story of killer AI this is a this is a story of what happens when Unintended, as you said earlier, unintended consequences of programming, where we, the programmers, or we, the data people, don't think through what it is that we just did, and then try and blame our creations. Like I, I, I can't blame a spread. I can't blame a spreadsheet for crashing. You know, well, I probably can. Stupid Microsoft, but, <laughs> but you know, we we blame. Well, we can't blame the creation for the faults of the creator. Right, and it gets even more complicated. The problem that you're raising is. If Hal is sentient, then the culpability of the programmer is not less. It's actually even more. And that's really important for people to consider if we, as we start creating intelligent and potentially sentient machines. So we're, we're getting there. I mean, we, we keep talking about, okay, so we bring up Tesla self-driving car. I mean, are we yeah. going to see a point where we're going to have a Tesla choose to preserve its own life versus that of the occupants? 
Now that would be potentially a, yes. Yeah. That's a very that's a very it, it could very well be a piece of the decision tree. Yeah, I mean, let's say you have a very expensive piece of exploration hardware, like say it's a space station that's going off to the deep reaches of the solar system. Then yeah, there might be lines of code in there where under certain circumstances you have to cut the astronauts loose. Or that maybe like military vessels may decide that, well, it's more important for this technology not to fall into enemy hands than it is to save the pilot. So you go back to the Isaac Asimov idea of the three laws safe. And then um, – but then that that's not how humanity works. You know, like like that, that makes sense if you have like a, like a, a Tesla – you go with uh, you can go with the whole three laws thing, but when you start throwing in comp confounding factors like you just did, okay, what if it's a space station? What if it's what if it's military hardware? What if it's a decision they have to jettison half the crew to save the other half of the crew? Like th- these are these are so I don't think it's possible to ever have an AI that with that level of sentience that where this is not going to come up at some point. Yeah, I used to laugh at like the whole uh, Tesla thing where it being, oh, we're trying to program a trolley problem. But it is a real problem to consider. Absolutely. It's, it's going to come up and it's going to come up time and time again, even in a situation where you say never kill a human. Even if you put that rule in place or you go to the more complicated Asimov's three laws, it, it doesn't matter. Those decisions and that programming is going to have to be very well considered. Yeah, and, and I think too, as we as AI starts creeping into everything, I mean, I've got I've got AI spe- AI powered speakers and microphones from Google over my house. I mean, what if it decides one day it doesn't like me unplugging it while I'm recording a podcast? <laughs> then what? <laughs> Who says that's not happening today? I mean, how do you really know it's unplugged? I mean, like you know, it's uh, we say it's off, but is it really off? Is it really listening? You can't know. Oh, great! Now I'm all paranoid. <laughs> That's why I don't have any of those in my house. I mean, like to the extent possible, I turn them all off, and and where I can, I try not to have any in my house. I I just don't I don't feel comfortable. Well, you heard it from a data scientist, folks. Um, the engineer just likes to go. Ah, gee whiz, this is cool, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I kind of feel that too sometimes. But no, on this particular area, I know how they're using the data. And it's just not something you just don't want to get enmeshed in it. It's too easy to get screwed up. So I think that's a good place to leave things off. So I think I, I don't think we actually solved anything uh, as far as what what uh, is how sentience or not. I think the jury's still out. I I, I tend to lean towards yes, uh, especially if you look towards the later literature. Um, is is uh, so is how become morally culpable. Depends. Is this programmer more culpable? Probably. Uh, is it pro- is it plausible? Yes, it's going to happen right now. Um, so I guess lock your lock your doors and unplug your speakers uh, for kill all humans. This is Tim and Matthew. We'll see you next time. Okay, I'm going to go through my house and plug it. So I've got the Wi-Fi light bulbs too. You know what a problem that is when the internet goes out because then all your lights are on. This, this happened to me about a week ago. I couldn't turn off my lights. <laughs> well, if I turned them off, I couldn't turn it back on. So it's like uh, it's turned into... That's a problem. That's a problem. So so my, my, my concluding thought, I'd love to see how 9000's defensive uh, murder trial. I think that would be spectacularly fascinating. And I'd love to defend him because I think he's going to get off. Oh, you know what we should do? We should do a bonus episode. Yeah, where we, where we, we can write a little play.
Dave, this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.